Shepherds of Men is a secular movement started by three men of faith. We wholeheartedly believe that when we get the men right, we get the world right. We believe this because we believe that men are created and called to be leaders, and we believe there is an alarming deficit of leadership in our world today. And although the three of us have come from drastically different backgrounds, our core principles have given us a unified voice that is needed now more than ever to pave the way for a fundamental change in our culture. We are quite literally calling men to something great. Welcome to the movement. What is up, fellas? JP coming at you, bringing me to movement with my boy Cam over here, Shepherds of Men, where we uh, kill off the passive male by taking active an active approach to six ethos that are involved in the Men Reforged program, which we are coming off of an amazing event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty, pretty juiced up from that for sure. Um, and, uh, a lot, a lot of really good things going on and, uh, things are, things are smoking in, in, in large part to the association that we've been fortunate enough to build. And, and one of those individuals that's poured into us that, that we've, we've built a friendship with is Mr. Zach Blanken, Blankeny. Is it, am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> How do we do this every time? Like, literally. <laughs> I think so it's, so it's Blankney. Two, two syllables, Blankney. Yeah. Blankney. Blank. But, so there's no N in there. That's not blank N me. <laughs> no, no, no. But this has been my entire life. So it's okay. It's been Blarity. It's been Blackney. It's Blankeny. It's Blankney. Blank, I mean, I, I promise okay you. okay to say like it's been incredible so you got it pretty close yeah admittedly the reason that i know it is because i went to school with uh the family of blakeney's oh yeah yeah. very cool well i'll tell you what it's a it's a lot easier to say blakeney um and less awkward (laughs) because i was like man i hope i get this right and stuff because i just kept calling you zach so i was like well, Heaven forbid we ever ask on the front end. We yeah. just wait till we go live. <laughs> Maybe we should. Well, everything we do is raw and real. So there's no doubt about that. Nothing scripted here. Uh, uh, by the way, it's my honor to be here with you guys, man. Thank you, JP, Cam. Excited to be here. I, absolutely I, do. We're excited for you to be here. Uh, we we met, for all the listeners, we met Zach uh, at an event that was uh, for the program. Um, he, was, he was in there dropping some knowledge. A lot of the stuff that you said still lives rent-free in my mind. Uh, has has stuck with me for a while um, and probably will stick with me forever. And to be honest with you, and, and not to get cheesy right off the bat, but was super impactful for me. A lot of lot of personal trauma and things that I had that I always disguised as just, you know, disregarding it. Like, oh, no, I don't have a problem with that and stuff. And then you you got up there and had to talk about all the stuff you were talking about. And I was like, I got problems, man. Hell you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about before uh getting on here and stuff. We went and did family pictures and um you you have your the the red pill method. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. And I, I and I want I want you to talk about that a little bit for sure. Um, but I love I love where you're going with that. I think it's an amazing concept because you know you kind of tie it in with the matrix and the red pill stuff and everything and and i think it's i think it's genius man and and i'm gonna tell you right now for all the listeners just letting zach talk for a few minutes and you'll go Damn, like that dude knows what he's talking about like he's he's on a whole nother level of being connected It'll with you the inner sure. self yeah my <laughs> goodness you. gracious so uh first and foremost, and for those of you that can't see he's got one hellacious beard too 
Yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even bring that up. I'm I know you were. That's why I did. Yeah. Off the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it keeps on growing, and I'm gonna keep growing it out. I've got a plan for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to like the center at the chin, and I think I'm gonna try like start braiding it. Like oh, going, you're going full oh, Viking. Oh, oh nice. it's coming out. There you go. Yeah, you gonna do the top two and braid it back or anything? Or just, I don't know, just... man. See, I've always wanted to grow up my hair, but like my hair does a terrible job in the awkward phase, and I can never get past it. Ah, you get this the... like it's wavy, curly. Oh yeah. yeah, dude, it goes out that way. <laughs> and like it would look real nice if gravity started to take over it, but I always get too patient, way impatient with it. I'm like, nah, uh nah, I can't continue this. <laughs> it takes too long to do that. Yeah, well, secret so... to that. Go ahead. Hats. That's yeah. the secret. Yeah, and I, I haven't wore a hat since I played college baseball. That's uh, uh, what happened. I, I feel like like the 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 end of my baseball career scarred me from hats. <laughs> Never again. Probably got a why you got a wonderful set of locks on top of your head. So right. uh, fortunate. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that would die to have your hair. So you know, it's all a matter of perspective. Uh, right? I would I would tell them to meditate. It'll help actually with their growth. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That's true. Because we need to talk about that. I got to get my meditation on point. As a matter of fact, I was, uh, I was on the plane yesterday coming back from Miami, and John called me. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, John was like, hey, man. So, you know, we, I know we were talking about doing some some meditation exercises and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I'm going to be on a plane for three hours. So, <laughs> right now might be a good <laughs> time to practice chance. my meditation. Yeah. So, oh, I, I what is true is that meditation when done consistently overall lengthens uh, or stops the shortening of telomeres. So telomeres inside of your DNA, as you age, they start to shorten. So it's like a track of your biological age while it's happening. But meditation, uh, certain types of meditation, the type of meditation that I teach and do is transcendental meditation. And yes, it actually will give you the result of looking and feeling younger um, by lengthening or again, stopping the shortening of the telomeres. Well, <laughs> so, so like I said, uh, when we started this, uh, just if, if you're listening to this, take out a notepad, write it down and look it up after we get done. Yeah. That's, that's be a lot that, of big words, guys, probably, <laughs> probably the best advice that I can give you. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, um, you know, Zach, I just want you to know, cause I didn't really get a chance to tell you this, but you had a huge impact on me. Uh, and, and one that, you know, no fluff whatsoever, man. Um, I, I did some soul searching, um, after that event and, and found out some things and, and, you know, I had an opportunity to ride with Luke, uh, back. I took Luke to the hotel. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a really good conversation about a lot of the stuff that you uncovered and, uh, it's really changed the way that I approach life. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't a very big, um, I don't want to say relational, but I, I had a hard time getting close to people because of, I guess, trauma that I had from, you know, my past and my dad not being around and stuff like that and men leaving me in my life and stuff like that. And, uh, didn't want to get close. And, and I didn't realize that until you started saying some things and some, some things started coming together. And I was like, damn, that's why I never check on anybody. That's why I never send any messages to people and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to give you a chance to, to talk about, you know, your program, what you do. I know that you're in the fitness world too. You, 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 you train, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, there's, there's not much you don't do. Uh, but I certainly we're, we're coming off of an incredible event, like I said, so we're, we're all amped up. Uh, with what we got going on and stuff. And, and a, a big part of that is due to, you know, Nick Alfano and, and a lot of the, the program, you know, the coaches and stuff and, and yourself and every, every one of y'all. So, um, you know, huge shout out and thank you on the front end for all of that. And really a, a pleasure and an honor to have you on here. 
Yeah, man. And congratulations on all the success that you guys from that the event. Like, that just warms my heart. It makes me so happy for the both of you uh, to come in and see what we did and using that as a model because what's most personal is most universal, guys. So like literally there's no there's no hiding, right? There's no hiding and there's no withholding. There's no deception. And I, I really am happy that you guys got to experience that when you were coming uh, because in the end of the day, this is needed for everyone. You know, to be able to unlock your authentic self and to be able to express it without fear of judgment is freedom. So that's essentially what we're trying to do, right? With inside of the containers that we have is just give men, give men permission to literally express themselves in the way that makes them happy. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. And I think there's this misconceived notion that, you know, if you express yourself or you show emotion that you're weak and that was my, and I'm, I'm projecting my insecurities out there and a lot of that. And, uh, you know, it, to be honest with you, that was probably, that was something that Cameron used to drive me nuts about. He'd try to give me a hug and stuff. I'm like, get the hell away from me. Why are you trying to hug me? Uh, Cameron had a dad though. So the, it was a little the less he liked it, the more I wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he would hug me tighter and stuff and whisper in my mm -hmm. ear and everything. Yeah. He's hard to wrangle though. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, when we talk about, you know, we talk about men in general, I mean, the the social norms of masculinity and that being one of them that you can't express emotions. If not, you're going to be viewed as weak. But I talk about this with a lot of the guys that I'm with and I'll talk about it here. You know, what is courage? Right. So courage is just taking action despite fear. But as men, we think about taking action as like literally oh, there's a battle that I need to go fight? Okay, let me go fight this battle. Like, I'll walk out into bullets into to bullets running at me, or is there a sword that's going to kill me? That's fine, I can do that. But really, the thing that we're most afraid of is expressing ourselves and expressing the things that we feel inadequate about, expressing the things that we feel uh, incapable of doing and insecure, and all these things that ultimately hold us back from, again, expressing ourselves fully and stepping into the man that we're called to be. And that's where I always try and center people back into is like, hey, man, you think about courage as going out and fighting a battle. It has nothing to do with that. Courage is doing the thing that you're most afraid of. And that's your willingness to be seen, fully seen. Because when you can do that, that's that last level, right, of fear that if you can overcome that, your life will start to change very quickly. And I'm, I'm really happy, JP, that you've seen that result, you know, just in the short amount of time. And it's a process. You know what I mean? Like, you guys, we're all running on a program. And we've agreed upon this program based off the actions the thoughts and the emotions. We've also agreed upon the matrix program, which is the narrative and the society that we live in that tells us who we should be without ever us creating who we actually want to be. So with that, here we are, right? And just trying to get people to realize that like, hey man, it's, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel shame. It's okay to feel guilty about what you did. Like these, these are good emotions in a sense, if you see them as a signal of like, oh, okay, guilt, for instance, it's not about eradicating guilt. It's about you saying, oh, I made a mistake, right? I feel guilty. Awesome. That gives me a signal to say, oh, okay, well, this is a behavior that isn't aligned with my authentic self of who I want to be. So now let me talk about how I feel guilty about that. So I can express it out, do my apologies, apologize to myself and no longer hold on to it. But the problem that we see over and over and over again, especially with guilt and shame, I'll just keep talking about guilt for a second, is that guilt in this same type of perception of weakness makes us feel weak if we're actually guilty of something. But again, that's only what we project out and we want people to see. 
Because what normally happens is, is that you wake up feeling guilty every single day for the, mis the mistakes that you've made because you haven't made amends with the person that you actually did it towards. But more importantly, you haven't made amends with yourself. And until you do that, until you do that type of healing within yourself, you're going to keep judging yourself as being guilty and keep feeling guilty. I feel so inadequate right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Like okay. I want to talk because it's a podcast and that's what you do on podcasts, but um, I feel like I'd really bring the value of this episode down. If we don't well, just let Zach keep going. Well, well Kim, I, I would just tell you, brother, you're, you're God playing human. So like, how can you be unworthy at all? Mm, man, mm. through that though. Well, that was deep. So if you didn't hear that, <laughs> wow. you just said you're God playing human. Wow. <laughs> I'll That's... be honest with you, dude. Like I'm, I'm laughing or whatever, but like that statement right there will, it, it sunk in deep very quickly. Wow. Well, because truths normally do that. Mm -hmm. So we can we can look at like religions all across the, the space in a sense of like there's this um, voice, right, that seems to come from the heart space inside of you. Um, it's the voice that's calling us to be the best version of ourselves. It's the voice that calls us to do things that are very scary, right, in which we need the courage to be able to do so. And, you know, different religions, we can take Christianity, calls it the Holy Spirit. You can go into uh, Buddhism and they call it like intuition or the spiritual community, intuition, inner voice, all these different things. They're all saying the same thing. So even if we look at something that's probably going to be more relatable inside of probably your listeners and America in general, if you look at the teachings of Christianity, it says the Holy Spirit is literally within every single one of us. Well, the Holy Spirit is God. So that means that God is within you. And that's the voice that's within you. And, in, and again, look at the look at the teachings from Jesus. I'm actually in the middle right now of going back and listening to the New Testament after I've done a lot of different spiritual work and like into different texts and understanding of what it is. And I actually had a pretty... Um, not bad relationship. I had a, had a relationship where I was resistant to Jesus. And I was resistant to Jesus mainly just because of the Christian religion and how divided the Christian religion is. Like everybody's got their own interpretation of the Bible and everything else. So it, it had me not actually like accept the teachings from that. But now I've done my own work and I go back and I listen to it. And if you listen to what he's saying, he's constantly saying, we are the children of God. He's not putting up a flagpole and saying, I'm the only son of God. He's literally saying, daughter, son, son of God, you're the son of God. We're the children of God. So it's my belief, and this is just my belief and my interpretation of this, is that there's a scripture that uh, is in the Bible that I, that I believe is misinterpreted. Because he says, uh, and this is not going to be exact scripture, but it basically says, nobody cometh uh, before God except me. And a lot of Christian religions interpreted that as like Jesus is like standing at the heaven's gates and like you ain't getting in unless you do. But my interpretation of, of what it is, is it's saying that like Jesus didn't come here to be a gatekeeper. He came here to be a, a bridge gap, a connector, that God's over here and, and you believe that you're right here. And I'm in the middle and I'm just trying to get you guys to understand that look like literally y'all are the same. You just don't see it. 100%. So that's something that he recognized within himself, and that's what makes him such a ascended, and I, 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 this might offend somebody, but this is what I believe is, an ascended master. Literally, he surrendered so hard into the Holy Spirit within inside of him that he's just, he surrendered his ego all the way and said, God, you can take this vessel and just do whatever you want to do with it. You know better. And then just allowed that to be. And that's how he did such incredible things of God, because he literally said, hey, your will is my will, and it's our will. And I want to be here for that and do that. So 
Anyways, this is my interpretation of what I've seen so far. And going back and reading the New Testament, I'm just blown away by it because I'm seeing it through a different lens now. So, um, gosh, I love this conversation. Um, <laughs> this makes me so happy. Can we go three hours? Um, I don't even know where I want to start, really. But uh, I had something like 15 minutes ago that I wanted to go back to. And now I feel like that's not as relevant. Um, but... <laughs> We can ping pong, man. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we can ping pong. <laughs> sure. Well, okay. So to, to kind of backtrack a little bit, just because um, you mentioned it, it's, it's less deep maybe. Um, but you, you talked about uh, the hardest, like what true courage is, yeah. is not charging hell with a squirt gun. It's really what I was hearing you say is being, uh, recognizing who you are. But what I'm hearing is being alone with yourself and being quiet with yourself. Um, and really sitting back and um, understanding who you are as an individual. That, that's the part that I think a lot of dudes, myself included, I'm not scared of that. I just don't take enough intentional time currently yeah. um, to, to focus on that because we have a tendency to just distract ourselves or whatever. And I, me and JP talked about this recently. It was like, as soon as it gets quiet, especially if you're like a, a hard, um, uh, a driven individual. Like if you're somebody that's like, just always going like a, when I'm awake, I'm productive, you know? And like, that's just kind of the way I am. So if I'm not doing something, I start feeling unproductive and I want to start doing. Yeah. And, and I know what I have to realize more is that it, it goes to that whole sharpening your ax thing. Like I can keep chopping the tree with the dull ax, or I can just shut the fuck up and be still, Yeah. you know, and, and start listening more. Um, to that voice that's inside and, and start recognizing more of who I am. And when I have done that, although it be inconsistent in the past, when I have done that, it's been transformational. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, could you maybe hit on that a little bit more? Because I think there's so many dudes that are just, they have such a hard time of just sitting and being still and being quiet with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that like, I always try and look at the inverse. And what I mean by that is like your actions are displaying something but your words are saying something different, right? So I, I know that all of us, all three of us, and most probably any man that's listening right now, consciously, as in when they wanna think about how they wanna think about themselves and it feels aligned to them, they are empowered by that, right? They're like, man, I, I can do this. I'm worthy. I'm, I'm, I have all the things I need. I know I can do this, right? So that's conscious. But unfortunately our subconscious runs about 90% of our processes during the day. Right. And this is the program. And the program is made up from our entire lives, like all the way back from when we were two years old or actually even before that. I mean, you know, there's studies that say by the time they come out of the womb, literally they're taking information up to that point. And as a child growing up, you are not equipped with a lot of conscious thinking. You are just being influenced the entire time. Right. So this is what creates the program. And our subconscious is, is really what uh, is causing a lot of our own self-sabotage through that process. Because again, consciously you believe in yourself, but I would tell you right now that if you literally are sacrificing your own self for your work, that is a inverse display that you don't feel like you're worthy enough to focus on yourself. Mm. Because we know that when we focus on ourselves, when I'm in, when I'm in 100% alignment with who I wanna be, I'm happy and I'm welcoming challenges into my life, uh, life into my life. I'm like, yeah, this challenge, cool, awesome. Like, uh, this, this is great. I'm ready for this. But when I'm not focusing on myself, I get to the point where 
work starts to stack up. I start feeling overwhelmed. I start getting stressed out. I start getting anxious about the future. I start thinking about mistakes that I made in the past. And instead of saying, oh, I know what I learned, I start thinking about regret instead. And it's all these different things that we put aside as we sacrifice them for work that ultimately just slows us down to until the point where like literally you just fall to your knees, you got to put your shit down. And so many people work this way. And there's the, the other inverse of that is that if we are not in patience, like if we're not in patience and we are impatient, again, that's also a display of a lack of trust. And then if we don't trust ourselves and we don't have faith in ourselves, then we're going to start spiraling down to the places that we can go inside of that. And then again, all these things that we feel like we're working for also simultaneously feels like it's being taken away. I like to use this thing because I'll speak to guys sometimes when, uh, um, you know, in like a, a call to see if we're going to work together or something like that. And something they commonly say this, I feel like, I feel like the universe is just like working against me. I'm like, really, man, you feel like some invisible force that can't be seen is working against you. It's that invisible force is visibly you, bro. Like this is just all victimhood that's been like ingrained into your system that you feel like something that you can't see is trying to work against you. I was like, this is all the internal rhetoric that's keeping you inside of the same place. And the self-deprecation is only going to continue until you realize that you have to take responsibility for what's going on. So we just, we see this continuously. And again, I've been stuck in the trap before as well. And I do my best now that like, oh, if I like, I've got to the point now in my emotional body where if I'm certainly stressed or anxious, I know that if I continue to type or try and work for the rest of the day, let's say it happens in the morning at 10 a.m. and something happens and it just gets me frustrated. If I try and work for the rest of the day with that tone on the back of it, like I'm not as present as I can be. My creativeness is, is diminished. I feel blocked. I feel all these different things. If I just take 15 minutes to literally get up out of my chair, go for a walk, or maybe sit down and be quiet myself and recenter myself back in, I'm more productive. My performance is higher. My creativity is better. My communication with everybody is better. All because I gave myself 15 minutes rather than, and, and that accelerated 100% effort rather than a literally 60 to 70% effort the entire time, which most likely I'm going to make a mistake that I'm going to backtrack on the next day anyways. But that is the rat race. Again, that's a part of the matrix narrative that says, go, 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 go. You're always behind. And if you don't keep going, you're going to be farther behind. And then you're eventually not going to get to where you want to go to. But all that I just said is exactly what happens when you attach yourself to that narrative. It's so powerful to think about that with, because, because it's true, especially, it's probably the same for both, but just since we're talking about dudes, it's that uh, pushing through, like I'm going to push through and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to hammer down and get through the day and yada, yada, yada. And you're right. You're like, at, at best case, you're operating at 60%. So are you really even accomplishing anything? And then you're putting yourself further behind and it's stacking, negatively stacking, if that's possible. I don't so know. I, no. I experienced this, this exact thing that you're talking about on the plane on the way back uh, from Miami yesterday. Ah. I was shot. Um, I was, I, I'd been up doing conference meetings and stuff. I was up early in the morning. I had about four hours of sleep and stuff. And I was sitting on the plane and I was reading my book. I was like, I gotta, I got this time sitting here. I gotta get something in. I gotta be productive. So I'm, I'm reading my book and stuff. And I noticed it like I was just dragging. Right. So I'm like on the same page and I'm sitting there looking at it going like blinking my eyes going, did I read that? Or did I not read that? I need to go back and look at it and stuff. So I laid my head back and I bet, I bet I closed my eyes for five or 10 minutes. Um, I probably fell asleep for a short period of time, but when I woke up and I leaned up stuff, I started cruising through pages again. 
Yeah. And I was just like cruising and, and comprehending what I was reading and being back engaged in the book and stuff. And it was just a short period. I bet it was, I mean, it may have been 15 minutes. I, I don't know. I didn't have a stopwatch, but th- to your point, like that, that little bit of time took me from struggling to read one page over five minutes or whatever, not even comprehending what I was reading, not being effective and attentive on what I was doing to going back to being charged up and, and actually, you know, capturing everything that I was reading and being able to take notes and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just a short period of time. That's, that's crazy. You bring that up though. Cause I just experienced that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Uh, a symptom of exhaustion is actually that you end up working more and people don't understand that because it doesn't make sense. You think of I'm exhausted. Like I'm just going to like fall out and go to sleep. No, you're exhausted mentally because you're literally doing more than you have to do because you feel like you're behind you because you feel like you're not doing enough right and then you feel guilty that you're not doing enough and then you sit in this duality of feeling guilty that you're not doing enough or not doing more right so it's like it's the hamster wheel there's no winning so the the solution is and this is something that actually brendan bruchard he's a top performance coach in the world and i took this from him as well and he was like dude i he, he came out with a video he says i work for 50 minutes straight and i can take a 10 minute break 50 minutes straight 10 minute break I'm not perfect at doing this, but I've gotten way better at doing it as I consciously keep trying to remind myself like, hey, like, cool, that was good for now. Let me get up, uh, do, I do some yoga moves or I go like walk or something like that. I'm just keeping myself in flow by not exhausting my mental energy to a point where I'm just like a zombie in front of a computer, you know. Oh, that is. Oh. Uh, so I, I do want to ask you um, on you know, a kind of a separate vein. So one of the big things that the, the men reforged program um, is designed to do is to develop influential men, right? So being able to develop influence and you said something about having your thoughts and your actions aligned. And, and one of the things that I've always been a big proponent of is when you have your beliefs, you know, your thoughts, your actions, and your speech all in line, you become genuine. Cause if any of those are out of line, now all of a sudden you're not you're not a genuine human being right like you're acting in some form or fashion maybe you're speaking differently than you're acting or whatever it may be so you're no longer genuine when when i when i say like men that struggle to be influential or men that are just incredibly influential like what is your what is your take on that what do you see that's common in men that are very influential well it's the lead by example which is what you're talking about you know i mean people that influence and inspire don't have to convince right So I don't need to convince anybody of anything, right? I'm just myself. And that's, and that's what I go back to. I talk about authentic expression. Like when you do the inner work and you really start to define what is true to who you are, uh, this, you know, I can't see on the podcast, but I have a shield behind me and it's, it's basically where I define seven key areas of my life. And I do this for my clients as well. And I call it the, uh, the box they never created. So it's creating your own box of expectations of who you are, of your alignment. And when you know that, you get rid of the gray area, right? It's like, it's like if you were thinking about the box as being you, but when you don't really know, it's like a dotted line. You know what I mean? Like there's there's lines that get crossed and everything else. And like you, you know when you cross them, but you don't know when you cross them enough to be preventative about it. You're just reactive, right? So again, we, we literally define words because we respect them enough to give them a definition, but we as human beings don't ever do this for ourselves, right? So just by clearly defining who you are, and, and one of the definitions which is really valuable to me is, is my intentions. So and what this is, is where we define five or six characteristics of who they want to be. And normally what I use in this is I'm like, think about your future self, 
what does that man look like? How do they show up? What are their characteristics? Cool. Let's look at that. They define that and now they bring it into the present. I'm like, well, now you know exactly who you want to be that you're not showing up to be. Here's exactly who you want to be. So we're just taking this future self and bringing you right into the present and now start aligning your actions to that space. And the one thing that you said that resonates with me in a sense is I, I use what you're talking about in threes, but I use it for communication. So I would say that if communication is general, there's three levels of communication. There's the words, there's the energy or the emotion behind the words, and then there's the intention for the words. And if one of those three things are off, the person is not going to receive it. Their intuition is going to like, like if you're trying to, if you're trying to manipulate somebody, right? Your intention is not actually aligned with what you're saying. The person can feel that. Mm -hmm. If as a man, if you come home from a hard day at work and you know, you had a bad day at work and your wife says, Hey, what's up honey? You okay. And you go, I'm fine. She knows you're not fine because the emotion is not correct to what would actually be fine. So she knows. So when I communicate, that's something that I almost always do. I used to do it on repeat all the time. And I don't do it so much anymore because over, over time, when you set an intention before everything that you're going to do, it becomes a part of the program. So then you're just intentional by program. So when I was really starting to change who I was, like literally before coming on this podcast, I set an intention. Like I said, okay, this is how I want to show up on this podcast. And I would, I do this for speaking engagements and stuff like that. But I used to do this for like, all right, I'm about to get out of my car and go to the gym. I'm going to set an intention on how I'm going to show up in the gym. If somebody talks to me and wants to talk to me while I'm at the gym, I'm going to set an intention about how I'm going to show up for that person when they talk to me. I'm not going to be bothered. I'm not going to be an asshole because that's not who I want to be. So I started doing that in a very early time when I was starting to change and really like reveal who I wanted to be. And now again, it's just a part of the program. So now I know that hey, at the baseline, if my intentions are to serve others and to be loving and present with others, which is essentially what it is, from that point forward, my emotion is going to follow that because I'm already in it, right? And then after that, one of my intentions is always, hey, I'm not going to judge what I say. And without judgment, it's free flow. And I can be in flow the entire time because I'm not judging what I'm saying. If I fumble over my words, okay, that's fine. It doesn't prevent me from continuing to say what I want to say. I'm not sitting here beating myself up for not being perfect the entire time. And that's one of the biggest limits. That is the biggest limitation to anybody's freedom is judgment, right? Judgment, when of, you self, use judgment of others. When you, sorry to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> it really, you know, I get, it, flow, I get a flow. I'll get going. Dude, hey, I was just going to crack a stupid joke about when you use words like you use, anybody would get fumbled up. So, I mean, like that, <laughs> there's no judgment there for sure. Do some mouth exercises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you believe, do you believe that that, that intent um, or, you know, their, their levels of communication or their, their ability to influence and stuff, um, and, and how they develop that has anything to do with, uh, you know, their, their personality, like, you know, how you can take the personality tests and the, the personality tests will kind of tell you, you know, what you most relate to or what your what, what pulls your strings and stuff like that. I would imagine that you probably would put a lot of stock into that stuff. Um, man, not, not, not as much as you think. Like I know, for instance, Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFJ because I've, because I wanted to take it right. I know I'm an Enneagram eight because I was interested and I want to take it, but all that's doing is searching outside yourself to validate who you think you are. Right. So the, the, this is, this happens all the time. Like I was talking to a guy the other day on a call 
and he he searches for external validation for him to be validated right and he's doing this entire thing and i'm like hey bro you realize that literally you rely on other people to tell you who you are rather than you figuring out who you are and that's what i see as these personality tests do they they just give somebody an answer without them going internal and doing this thing and just as an example i took the uh, myers briggs when i was 23 when i was getting into a corporate job and i was an infj so I was an introvert at that time. What was going on during that time? I was addicted to porn, I had social anxiety. I was addicted to drugs. I didn't know who I was through that process. So of course I was introverted. Like, I don't want anybody to see what's going on. With, you know what I mean? And then like when I was 33, 10 years later, I took it again and said I was an EFJ. So like this personality test isn't something that you're always going to be that way. Like as you grow and develop, and what I mean by grow and develop, as you release the judgment of self, so that you can just act on the things that you truly or desire on to act, you will actually figure out who you are. But if we keep relying on, on personality tests to tell you who you are, you're just putting even putting the same box of expectations that the matrix is doing to you. So it's all about the internal self-discovery. So you don't, you don't, and Cameron, I know you got something on the tip of your lips, just want to wrap, wrap this portion up. So you, you don't, you would, I guess with a personality test, you're, you're not looking to create an identity through a personality test, but you could potentially use a personality test to identify where your gaps are or where you believe that, that, you know, you need work. Like this. is Yeah. Yeah. So in your, in your presence, like when I was 23, I was presently based off this test and INFJ, right? So like that was in my present. The, the danger is, is that again, that you take this test that you took at some point in your life and then for the rest of your life, you're literally molding your behavior to what the test says, right? right. Yeah, you don't and, want to identify by it. Yeah. That, that uh, I see people on social media that like literally in their header on Instagrams, like ENFJ, Enneagram 8. I'm like, you're none of that, dude. That's again, you're, you're, yeah. you're God playing human. So yeah. you can create whatever you want to create, dude. You don't even have to be that if you want to be that. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, the truth is, like, like I hear this and I'm going like, there's people who do that shit with fortune cookies. You know, yeah. like <laughs> it's, they really do. And they're like, they take it to heart and like, they feel like this is, this is defining me, you know? And, and it's, it's insane. I'm actually rereading a book for, I think I've read it three or four times. And um, it, what to say when you talk to yourself, uh, Shad Hemstelter. Uh, it, it's a cool book and it's kind of one of, I think one of the first books to really get into programming through, uh, intentional, uh, verbiage to yourself or whatever, you know, but it, he's talks about that a lot in there is like, you just have to be so aware of what you're allowing to determine who you are. Like, you know, there's people that somebody as a kid, your parent says you're shy and like for the rest of your life, you're molding yourself to be shy. You know, because, because you're accepting that you're receiving that it's like, and I, and I do, you know, I, we're very intentional about the, the words that we use with ourselves, but also with our kids is like, we, you know, I've, I have people like I, when my kid was two and they're like, I try to introduce him and he kind of pulls away or tucks behind my leg or whatever. And they're like, Oh, he's shy. I'm like, no, 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 he's not. <laughs> he is not shy. So, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to program him that way. Um, so it, it's a, a kind of a different, um, level of what you're talking about but it's just interesting how quick and i think maybe just because it's an easy way out i don't know you know people are just real quick to go i don't want to do the work to to um discover myself so to speak uh as opposed to just allowing something to determine who i'll be and what i am and how i'm wired and well the the truth is is that we're all individuals right so i mean yes we are all different and we're all a different mold of the creator right inside of this experience 
Um, but that two-year-old, think, think about just a two-year-old in general, like two-year-old is two years old inside of this experience, goes out and maybe gets put into a, uh, I don't know, a, an adult experience for the first time, which is all a bunch of big people that aren't their parents. Of course, they're going to be scared. They're going to be like, hey, how are you? How are you going to do that? Right. Yeah. So the yep. environment always influences the behavior. And that's something that you're talking about is like, you want to be a positive influence and I, you know, I don't have kids just yet, but I do coach a couple of guys that have kids and I coach a couple of marriages as well. And, and the, the biggest thing I try and tell them is like, I understand it because like you want to give the kid creative expression, but you also want to set boundaries of safety, right? Like express yourself, but like, I don't want you to die. So like, what's the balance between that? And that's a tough balance to walk. Like, again, I haven't experienced that just yet, but I know that that's the best way for them to unlock and discover who they are authentically in themselves fastest is allowing things to happen, allowing mistakes to happen. As long as it doesn't kill you, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, we call it, talks about that. Yeah. Yeah, we call it the enough rope to hang yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I, I call it. My house, I, yeah. you know, I want my kids to fall. Um, I actually for a long time kicked my kids over uh, when they first started walking. I'd kick them over and knock them over and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, man, like the thing for me was that it's it, you know, I mean, part of it was balance and stuff like that. But I mean, being able to get back up, you know, and and creating that that mental fortitude early on and stuff. And not not like aggressive. No, yeah, I, I, I think you're like, like, boop, like WWE like across the room. Yeah. Well, because so and Jordan Peterson to that point, there was some psychology behind the fact that. Um, kids that were um uh, their their fathers were aggressive with them early and not like aggressive like beating them but like aggressive with them like wrestling them and stuff like that grew up to have more confidence they handled yeah. conflict much better uh they they, they controlled themselves much better uh, because they learned early on 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 how to handle aggression and and, and do all that and not lose their minds um so I, I thought that was pretty interesting too yeah yeah, yeah he, difference between play or or like fighting like anger right right they find that balance between the two yeah because there, there's a thin line early on in life right i mean like early on in life when you're you're not mentally mature there's there's a thin line there you're like oh am i gonna kick yeah. his ass or are we gonna dance like what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to get your take on this since we're kind of going down this road zach um so one of the things that early on when we started this movement is uh, the conversation started with we were recognizing what we would call a weakness in society in men. Um, it, it may be a, a watering down. And this, not that we're all about the macho, you know, um, caveman type masculinity that's, that is not toxic masculinity. It's just toxic people. Uh, mm -hmm. As JP would say, it's just a weak little boy expressing himself in a stupid way. Um, true masculinity is incredibly important. And that's why it was created that way. Uh, so is feminine. The other word. Feminine. Uh, <laughs> femininity femininity it it's like blake right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say it's a canooter valve yeah right rotary gooter <laughs> um so i have no idea what i was talking about now so but but the weakness so okay here's my point we realize that as a whole in our culture there are uh, far less fathers or even males involved in the upbringing of children. There's such a high percentage of children, specifically boys, let's say that are being raised by their mothers alone, which is great. They have awesome mothers and those mothers are strong women that are trying to play both roles, but they're not really designed to do that. And the natural tendency, at least in my experience of all the years on this earth 
is that the mother is going to be more um, nurturing, yes, but also more uh, protective as far as shielding that child from potential danger. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you, you want to put a bubble around them. You don't want them to get hurt. You don't want to like physically, mentally, emotionally, like you just don't, you just want them to be okay all the time. And I think to, to go back to what we were just talking about, the, what, what happens is over a generation or two, when you don't have a dad that's willing to kick you, to knock you down a little bit, just so you toughen up and get back up or to wrestle with you a little bit to help you understand how to like, that's not like, I don't need to freak out. If something goes down, I can still keep my shit together. Um, I, I'd like to get your input on that from, uh, from a, maybe a psychological standpoint or whatever, um, of the, the impact of mothers trying to do what's right, but probably causing some gaps there. Yeah. So what was coming up for me, and, and this is, let me see if I can make the connection to this because the, the, that's just a symptom of the societal problem and the societal problem is indifference. It's indifference. It's apathy. Right. So when we talk about where weakness comes from in a way of what you guys are talking about, it's talking about literally people who submit men who just submit to their problems. They submit to expectations. Um, they're, they're told the way life is and then they submit to what they're being told. And it creates a frequency of just being indifferent right, about making impact. Right. So inside of that, that can become a mom who is not who's basically just trying to scrap to survive because she's a single mom in this scenario right so all she's doing is the best she can to keep her head above water but by doing that you're also very much indifferent towards uh what's going on in american culture and society like what's going on with um you know we do uh social movements right like there's there's no calling to do anything there might be a calling to do it there's no action to be taken because they've been uh, put into a different type of bubble, which is basically that, hey, this is the way that your life is and you can't do anything about to change it, right? And they're victimized by their own life. They're victimized by their own choices. Well, that frequency of indifference, if you just look at that and then looked at the world at a totality, most people are, are not okay, but they've become okay with doing the normal things going to high school, graduate, go to college, graduate, get a job, work, be enslaved, I hate to say it, by people that are making way more money than them, stay in the system, American dream, right? Stay in the system, get married, get kids, hope that you can retire and that you don't get divorced, right? That is indifference. That's that frequency that's been sent throughout the entire nations. And it's also why we see the wealth gap that is continuing to grow away from each other. We ask also us also why we see so many different people saying, oh, I wish I could do this and I wish I could do that because they've been mesmerized and they've been put under a spell of indifference. So that's really the, the main part. And then yes, if I were to break it down just a little bit further and again, what you're talking about in this scenario, you're talking about a, a, a woman who has been in this space, most likely abandoned by her partner, right? Through that abandonment, she has her own abandonment wounds of fear of losing something. That fear of losing something or someone then translates to the child that she has, and she doesn't want to lose the child, which creates her to be overprotected from the child, right? And then that child is grown up in a more coddled way. And then by the time they get out and they, they, they figure out what the real world is, they're not equipped. But I would tell you that I came from a upper middle class white American family, and I was told... This is how this is the route to success and everything else. And I got out of college and I was like, this is not what they told me this was going to be. I don't even understand the concept of responsibility. 
No one's told me what to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really the biggest thing is that there's indifference and indifference is a lack of responsibility. And when you become an adult, there's levels to responsibility. There's, okay, I need to pay my rent and my bills on time. And I need to uh, have some sort of steady income. Like those are based, I need to know how to pay taxes and stuff like that. Inside of that, we're still being indifferent. The next level of responsibility is getting out of the matrix part of you are not victimized by your experience. You are the powerful creator of your experience. You have choices and your choices are going to influence the rest of your life on how you're actually acting. And most people don't think they have a choice. Again, consciously, they'll say they have a choice, but they don't realize that there's so many different choices that can be made in the program that they're allowing to run their life that's causing them so much pain. And that all comes back to, again, just because of, of what we've been told is, isn't actually true at all. Good deal. Yeah. So I, I mean, and obviously, you know, from, from my story, I was, I was raised by a single mom and I think can a little bit. Um, so I think one of the things that I've, I've discovered, cause I've always been really intrigued about, um, so technically uh, accomplished i would say that i'm somewhat accomplished by societal standards uh just with my career and the whole idea of this is the successful path you know go go to college go to get a corporate job and work your way up and make a good salary and and, and retire you know and get married and have kids and stuff you know i checked all the boxes and stuff and and my um which is neither here nor there i, I that's that's you know kind of a slow death for me and i'm i'm you know, ready to be out of the, the rat race when it comes to that. But what, what I'm getting at is, so my brother has just all kinds of issues, right? Like my brother has, has gone the wrong path. Um, you know, drugs, the whole, the whole works, right. Just constantly in trouble. Um, I did good in school. I was all about affirmations. Um, I was always seeking out, you know, acceptance, um, you know, and, and, and I always want to prove that I was tough as nails. Like, you know, I was raised by a single mom, but I'll whip your ass, you know, kind of thing like and always had this this egotistical insecurity that I projected on other people as far as that stuff was concerned. My brother went down the other path where, you know, there was he was entitlement. Right. So my wife raised by a single mom as well. <clears throat> Her little sister, almost identical situation. Like my wife went to college. She did everything she was supposed to do, you know, like all the things and stuff. And her sister was just like my brother just made a bunch of bad decisions and stuff like that. And, and I started thinking about stuff and it's like, it, you, you're, you're almost forced at a young age at a very immature mental state to start deciding, you know, which way you're going to go early on because you don't really have the guidance. So now I'm seeking out, you know, acceptance from other men and, and saying, okay, look, I want to be part of the guys. I got, I got abandoned by the guys. I want to be part of the guys. And then just by chance, Luckily, some of the guys that I aspired to be were athletes and, you know, guys that trained hard and accomplished things and stuff like that. Whereas my brother was like, oh, drug dealers, money, easy road like this, this stuff. And it, it quickly, you know, you can make that 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 split I, I see earlier on and, and then it creates a wider wedge as you start to get older. Whereas if you have that guidance early on, you say centered for longer, you don't have to make those decisions on until you're a little bit more mentally mature. Now, I don't know. I may be way off base with that, but I, it's always just blown my mind that me and my brother grew up in the same house. My wife and her sister grew up in the exact same house with the same woman, but drastically different paths. Yeah. So was your brother younger as well? Yeah. Nine years younger than me. Yeah. So I'm not saying that this is the case for you guys, but this is a pattern 
right? Even inside of siblings of this way, because like I also am the young, I'm the oldest, right? So like I was three stores, three sports star in high school, went to college baseball, always made really good grades. I was smart enough to make the grades I needed to make without having to try, you know, like doing all those things. I did everything I was supposed to do. And there is something that says that, hey, the firstborn, and when it comes to parents, they put more attention onto the firstborn because it's the first time. They don't want to make mistakes. They want to do anything like that. I actually experienced this with my damn dogs. Like I have a 10-year-old dog and I have a, uh, I don't know if you guys hear him barking in the background. I have like a, a year and two months. And like, I was like, cool. I've put so much work into my older dog. The dude is like super trained off leash. He's great. Like he's super lovable and everything else. And I took for granted the fact that like, oh, well, my younger dog will learn a lot of the behaviors from my older dog. And he'll just like follow him anyways inside of that. So I didn't give the younger dog as much attention. I was the younger dog, a great dog. He is, he's still a puppy. He does some shit that annoys me that I knew that I could have trained him on that. I just, there's whatever, you know what I mean? That's just who he is at this point. So there's that from the parenting stint of like what that looks like, but then also there can be sibling resentment. The, oh, the, mm -hmm. the older, the older child is this, you know, and then not only are they mad, not only is the younger child mad because the, the father's not around, but they're also mad because the older brother is, it's, it's pressure. Like I have to live up to this guy. Right. And instead of living up to that pressure, they'll just be like, no, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to go do whatever I want to do. And normally that is getting in trouble and finding some different path that isn't going to be the one that the older siblings on because the older sibling one is the star and always does things right and like shows up the right way. And that resentment over time creates that division. And again, we're just talking about like one little thing, right? Really, everything is simple. It's from these simple choice points that create the web of confusion and um, insecurities and conflict and division and everything else. But it's just one thing that happens that does that. Yeah, that's I, I read something just yesterday that was talking about people that talk about luck and coincidence and stuff. And they said nothing is lucky or coincidental. Anything that is reality can be traced back and proofed to an actual choice or, or you know, it is a consequence of something that happened. There yeah. is no consequence. There is no, you know, and uh, that's that's an interesting take. And I think that you're right on point with that, too. I think that's I think that's. Uh, well, I've always been fascinated by this whole um we're talking specifically about siblings within a single mother household, but you could go to another scenario where it's, you know, somebody growing in a like just poverty stricken area and they take on the characteristics of the people that have been there and the generations that haven't changed and they have the same habits and they continue down that path of poverty and, um, uh, you know, woe is me or whatever. And then you also have plenty of examples of guys that have been in those environments. They, they were born there, grew up there and they were like, this ain't me, I'm not doing it, you know? And it, and, it, and of course the first thing people think about is like athletes or musicians or whatever, but there's, there's men and women from in all different fields that came from all different backgrounds. And it just lends itself to believe that, like you said, it, at some point they made a choice and for, for some reason, maybe it was influenced from a parent. Maybe it was something they heard differently than their siblings heard or that their you know neighbors heard or whatever. But at some point, something clicked in that person differently than it clicked in, in the other one. And I always, you know, I, I'm, I'm big into thinking about all this stuff. I don't articulate it as well as Zach, but I, it's always very intriguing to me. But then I also remember that I'm from Mississippi originally, and I listen to what my dad says. And, you know, he told me that the way that uh, you raise children is you keep them alive for 18 years. They're going to be who they're going to be. 
and and to a to a degree that's pretty deep when you think about it you know like they like i love the way you put it your god playing a human or whatever is that what you said god playing human uh, god playing human yeah god playing human so like the, the truth is i mean it, in some way or shape or form we are who we are um we're going to make the decisions we're going to make uh yes some of those can be influenced by examples and and guidance and coaching and things like that but um i don't know maybe maybe i'm going to be who i'm going to be even if i grew up in a different environment well but the 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 beauty of this is that science has proven that you can change and that you can grow and that you can evolve you know up until the early 1990s and this is something to think about you know with our parents growing up uh, up until the early 1990s the scientific community believed that by the time you were like 25 like your brain had developed into what it was going to be and that you were going to be who you're going to be based off that development to that process early 1990s they start studying the brain they start finding about about neuroplasticity how literally creating a new thought can create a new neural pathway which creates new action which creates new belief and emotional complex and everything else which basically says that dude, it is harder to change that neural pathway the older we get, but a 100-year-old could change a behavior and a thought and a belief if they wanted to. But our parents growing up didn't have that with them. That's why this whole belief of like, oh, this is the best route with the American dream. This is what we have to do. I am who I am. I had this conversation with my dad a long time ago when I was trying to help him through. You know, He was in the military. He was in the military for 24 years. He went overseas to war. Um, did all these different things. And I remember sitting across from actually, we went on a trip to Egypt and Jordan and uh, uh, Jerusalem. And it was a life-changing trip for the both of us. It had a huge impact on me, but I was sitting across from him and um, him and my, my, my mom got divorced after 30 years of being together and he was still going through it. He's not a very emotional man at all. And I said to him, I was like, dad, you know, the way that you think about these things, you know, you're holding on a lot of guilt. Like my dad's, you know, somebody who feels like he deserves what he's got. And that's a very sad way for it to look at. And I was trying to tell him, I was like, hey, you know that you could like change whenever you want to change. And he said exactly this. He was like, Zach, I've had the same brain for the last 60 or so years. I am who I am. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And it just made me even more sad, right? That he was locked in this belief that actually isn't even true, but it's all from their conditioning growing up of what they said could be. Um, so luckily now you're like, sure, you're like, you're going to have these things happen to yourself. You're going to, everybody's going to grow up in a different environment and everything else, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you have a choice and that you can biologically change yourself based off of making a choice and starting to act repetitively inside of that choice. Whenever I'm working with guys for, you know, reprogramming or subconscious remapping, it's, it's so funny to hear because, you know, we go through a process of what I call finding fortification statements. So we go in. I'll find the illusion that they're under or the spell they put themselves under. And I'm like, okay, this isn't true. We find the truth of the matter. It becomes a fortification statement. And they're like, okay, great. Uh, now I understand. I'm like, yeah, cool. Now what I want you to do is go on a 20 minute walk every single day. I want you to repeat this statement over and over and over again. They go, really? I'm like, yeah. They're like, that's not going to work. I'm like, humor me. Just do it. Three weeks in. Hey man, I, I really think I'm starting to believe the thing I'm telling myself. <laughs> of course you are yeah, that's yeah. the point you're downloading new software mm -hmm. the program is faulty you're doubting you're, you're downloading an upgrade you're running on windows 95 bro when windows vista is the thing that everybody's or whatever it is that people are using now is what is being used right now and you're still running on the whole program that's the other thing i was talking about with him like I'll, we'll find things out from you know we'll do what's called inner child work and i don't i don't like 
put a lot of credence into going all the way back, but enough in which we can find out for a point where I can say, hey, man, you realize you're, you're 35 years old and you're thinking the same way you are when you were six. How is that serving you right now? It's not. We have to start figuring out like, wow, like I've literally had that same thought because it's the program. So a part of reprogramming, because subconscious, the program is done by repetition, is if you want to reprogram yourself faster, you find the fortification statement and you say it repetitively as many times as you can. You could say it once a day if you want over 365 days, or you can say it 20, day, 20 times a day over 365 days, and then you will start to reprogram it faster and start becoming the man you want to be faster through that process. Dude, I, I am... Uh... 100% in agreement with that. So my previous statement was not like, uh, I believe what my dad believes. I, but it's that whole mindset. It's the Carol Dweck thing, you know, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And you're, you're, you're right. I mean, th there's been a long time where people just thought you were born the way you are. Um, I think what I'm intrigued by is what causes somebody to go. I'm not, I can be whoever I want to be. I can change my mentality. I can change what I believe. I can change my subconscious programming. Um, taking that action is what is in, is interesting to me. And I think probably, you know, some of that comes with association and it just realizing that that's uh, there, <laughs> that, that's, that there is such thing as growth mindset, you know? Would you guys like to listen to a very uncommon, but way of explaining this? in a way yes. that actually makes sense, even though it's way uncommon. Absolutely. Of okay. There's a book. It's called The Raw Contact, Teaching the Law of One. I'm not going to go too much into what this is, but essentially inside of this book, it is given, I call it, a, it's a metaphysical uh, dissertation on the universe, on how things work, on actually what it is and what we're doing. And inside of this book, it, just, it explains that there's seven densities or dimensions of experience. The second density or dimension of experience is animals and plants and microbials, anything that is not aware that it exists as a, of who it is. Now, we are, our souls, our consciousness, whatever you want to say, have started from a first density experience, which is just earth, wind, fire, and water then bubbled into being an animal, then bubbled into being a human. And then after this experience, what uh, Christians call heaven, um, if you look up uh, Hinduism, Hinduism, they have like seven levels of heaven. Buddhism has something that's very similar, is this next fourth density experience. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm going to stop there and go back to what I was saying. So I used to have a question that was like, why am I going after the things that I want to go after? But I can go to, you know, I don't know, Chipotle and see a 45-year-old woman working a Chipotle stand and seemingly not wanting to do anything other than doing that. This would be the answer. When we domesticate animals, like a dog, we take it out of the wild, we put it in front of us, we give it a name, and we give it love. By doing so, we've made this dog aware that it exists outside of a, outside of a pack. So we've actually given it self-awareness. When that consciousness in that dog dies, that dog will become a third density being, which would be a human. Meaning that it's the first time it's ever been a human in its life inside of this thing. Now, I would imagine that us here, again, we're talking about living multiple lives now at this point, and since the reincarnation, have lived a human experience multiple times before, so we have more practice being a human. 
than the dog that became a human that is now the first time living in this way. So if we're looking at this in this sense of reincarnation and how this works, this gave me the answer to that question. Why, why is this okay and why is this not okay? Well, most likely I've had multiple lives, maybe hundreds, being a human and different avatars being dropped in, which has allowed me to have this point of consciousness inside of myself compared to the 45-year-old sitting behind the Chipotle bowl or the Chipotle uh, line. So again, uncommon, but it gave me the answer to what I believe exists, and it logically makes sense of how that could be that way. So essentially, you've spawned more than other people have, essentially. like in a game, essentially. Wow. That's uh, that's something to ponder. <laughs> yeah, told you it was uncommon. Oh no, yeah, no, that's I, I, I love listening to different yeah. mindsets behind stuff like that. I literally yeah. thought you were gonna say that the dog got put into uh, an awareness of being an individual outside of the pack, and then you were gonna compare that to the woman being taken out of the individualism and being put into the matrix in a pack. That's where I thought you were going with that. Like she has yeah. lost her, she has lost her awareness of her individualism and that's why she no longer and so that would bring back to the spirituality thing of like the internal stuff so anyways i just made all that crap up in my head well interestingly enough these seven densities of of experience that they explain if anybody is familiar with uh what are what are commonly called chakras or energy centers if we're looking at the energy centers there are seven energy centers the red energy center being the one of basically survival um, and being red, the orange energy center being the emotional body, the yellow energy center being the energy center of self-awareness. And what this, bo- this book says is that each density is comparison to the energy centers. So a second density orange body dog is given self-awareness and activates the yellow energy center to become aware that they exist, which puts them into a third density body. So it's an incredible book. Anybody wants to pick it up? Again, it's going to challenge. You're going to be fighting cognitive dissonance the entire time trying to read it and listen to it. But I will tell you that it's one book that I've listened to that I've had like no internal resistance whatsoever intuitively to this might not be true. And that's something I never found in religion. So yeah, a scientific explanation for consciousness. Like that's, that's a, that's, that's deep. That's a very difficult thing to explain. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it really, it really is. I mean, it's, it's very difficult. Um, so not, not to, to jump off. Of that. I mean, no, part, I, of me, yeah, part of me, would, no, no, part of me, no, part of me would love to be sitting in traffic right now next to somebody <laughs> that's listening to this podcast on the way to work going, what the fuck? <laughs> Am I a dog? Was I a dog? Was I, a dog? <laughs> I was a dog. I was like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I was a dog. I, I definitely yeah. was not a cat. <laughs> so uh, one, sure. one thing one thing i do want to touch on because this was a really cool experience for us uh at our last event was uh and i want to talk about ego because you had a lot of stuff to say about ego uh when we first met you um at the the event uh at nick what does that say about us jp probably yeah there's probably probably a lot of, <laughs> lot of good indicators there i would imagine with him working in the bodybuilding space and stuff like that he, he's never seen an ego before so it's probably something oh, yeah. uh, uh but so one of the things that was really cool so we did we did some stuff early on to shake them up and stuff like that all the the um the attendees and stuff and uh and and really i mean even we, we even sent him a, a message beforehand that was just like hey dude leave your ego with the you know back where there are people that are impressed by it like, don't bring it to the event because we don't care and we'll work it out of you if you do bring it. Um, but it, it was cool because we set the tone early on with all of that stuff. 
and we went back and we got one-on-one testimonies from each one of these, these guys. We, we had one-on-one phone calls with each one of these guys that were there and talked to them about the event and asked them about feedback and stuff. And one, one of the, the most common things they said was that like early on, the greatest thing in the world was I came in kind of defensive walls up a little bit, but once you kicked my ass and you told me exactly how it was going to be and level set everybody, like it was cool after that. Yeah. And it was almost like, like, our ego stays in our freaking way. Like we don't, we can't learn and progress and stuff like that because of our damn ego. And I know that you have a lot of really, really good background in discovering why ego is detrimental. And I mean, it can be positive. Sure. But I'd, I'd love to hear your, your take on ego a little bit, especially for our listeners. Yeah. So the ego aligns with the narrative of the matrix, which is separation. The ego is the nature of the ego is both separation and exclusion, right? So inside of that, the, first of all, let me say this before I go down that route. The ego is also the thing that makes you aware that you exist as a human being and that you are individual from another human being. But it doesn't mean that you're separate from another human being. It just means that you're an individual. Now, the separatism of it is what creates all sorts of different distortions and illusions of what this is. The ego is hierarchical in nature. Think about that in this space. That means that one, you might perceive yourself as being better than somebody else or two, even more detrimental to you and your growth is that you'll see somebody else doing something that you really want to be doing. And the ego will say, man, he's so much better than me. Why can't I be like that? And creating those type of stories around it. The ego is the littlest thing inside of your body, but it acts like it's the biggest thing, right? It's so little. Think about this as the ego. The ego is a, is, is a little child kicking and screaming for attention. And the more you don't give it attention, the more it kick and screams and creates chaos. Like that's what it's doing. And even more so, the ego is a representation of pride. And pride is one of the biggest limitations of all men and all people, because pride says that I can do this all alone and I don't need the help from anybody else. And we'll actually be proud of that. Right. <laughs> and that is double the, down. That is the trick that you have to really start to understand that this ego that we have when left out of balance becomes this separation from others. And the separation from others is really what causes the isolation, the loneliness, the feeling of being misunderstood, the feeling of being rejected. And all of that is the deepest pain that somebody can experience to be rejected. And all of that creates the judgment around that of the fear of what that is. So when we understand one, like, let's just talk about Jesus for a second. Jesus dissolved his ego to surrender to something more powerful than him and literally created his reality by doing so, right? But we will get so wrapped up in the fact that, like, it's me, it's my journey, this is my achievements, this is what I've done, and guess what other the ego is going to do? Oh, you achieved this? Cool. Now, here's the next thing, and then you'll be worthy. Here's the next thing, and then you'll be worthy. Here's the next thing, you'll be worthy. It's a never-ending chase for worthiness, all based off of achievements. Is what the ego does. But again, if you're God playing human, that means that you're cut from the same, uh, the same material that created this entire universe in front of you. Wouldn't you rather be able to align with that, the littleness inside of you that says that I have what I have and I can get what I can get only through what I know, which is very little compared to what can be known and understood? So this ego that we have, I like to vilify it in the beginning because I like people make it aware of it because you have to understand the weapon of the ego is fear. It always is. 
Fear is the weapon. And then from fear creates all these little web of stories about how I'm not good enough, how I'm insecure about a certain thing, how uh, I don't want to actually express myself in a, in a sense of my emotions. All of this having you continue to hold on because the whole point of the ego is to make you believe that you are it when you're not. You are something infinitely more powerful than that. And when we understand that, and that's the ego is what has you prevent yourself from listening to the voice inside of you that's calling for doing more. And that is God's voice that's calling for you. And you're allowing literally something that is only of your creation, only inside of your mind to limit you from creating the thing that you actually want to want. So then you sit in this duality where you want more and you think that what you want more of is what the ego is telling you, but then you continue to follow that path and you get more isolated, more sad, more frustrated, more angry, rather than just surrendering to what is and having the courage to take a step forward inside of that space. So first vilifying it, now let me go to actually, okay, here's, here's the reason why you have it. Here's how you can appreciate it. If you didn't have an ego, then you would be God. Like, okay, cool. How fun is that? I guess it's fun for a little bit, but there's no challenges to be experienced. If you think about your ego, your ego is your own little challenge, uh, own little game that's inside your head that allows you to keep playing games. And guess what? If you want to keep playing the same game over and over again, it'll gladly keep winning the entire time until you realize, oh shit, this isn't working for me anymore. Oh, this is a challenge in my own divine plan that I've made for myself, that God has also influenced in co-creation for me to say, hey, this is something you need to work on. That's why I keep showing up in a pattern. Oh, you keep doing the same thing? That's why you keep feeling like shit about yourself. I'm literally showing up for you to get you to realize that this is the next step for you to level up and to be who you want to be. But people don't understand that. Because the other voice that's coming from the heart is made of love and exclusion. Oh, I'm sorry, an inclusion, wanting others to be around us. It is our natural state, guys. Our natural state is community, not isolation. It, it wants you to be seen. It gives you, Chris says, hey, cool, you've got everything you need. You can go after whatever you want. Yeah, you need community. You need people in your life that want to be a part of this, that want to build with this, that want to feel that connection. That's what you want. And it's so hard for people to realize this. The other thing about the ego is, again, it does give you the individuality for you to know that like, oh, I exist on this planet as a human. I'm here right now. So what a lot of times when people, when I start doing this, the reason why I vilify it first and I actually kind of get them to understand that you can be very grateful for your ego as long as you're using it as a tool for growth rather than identifying with it as being who you are. It's two different things. Because once you identify with a thought or an emotion and it becomes a part of you, it becomes a part of the program, that's the thing that, again, we're going to have to unravel and, and, and get the new software in for you to realize how much of an illusion that it is. This, I, I'm so looking forward to listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was taking notes and I was sitting there going, all right, stupid, you can listen to this again. <laughs> I know, I know, right? That's I'm sitting here going like, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to that. Um, one thing though, was, uh, it's somewhere along the line of all the things that you just said that, uh, I'm going to have to go back and digest is basically a comparison of God playing human is a lot better scenario than a human trying to play God. Exactly. Cause you never could be that and you never will be that. Right. Hmm. And, and inside of that path of trying to become that. I don't know. I mean, you can see plenty of, I mean, again, guys, look, look at the most successful people in the world that take their lives. Yeah. 
right? I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing. Like you could look at Robin Williams, and Robin Williams is one of my favorite actors, and that man fucking killed himself. I was just like beside myself. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, right? When Anthony Bourdain, who I didn't really care for as a human, but I really enjoyed his shows a lot of times, somebody to take his life, you're like, really? And that's what that is. You you're trying, you're trying to beat God. That'll never happen because that ultimately becomes the thing that makes you so incredibly isolated and and again misunderstood and being misunderstood is one of the biggest pains that we can have in our lives and being misunderstood comes from the inability for to have the courage to express yourself so that you can be understood yeah and an, an, an unhealthy ego does not allow you to do that yeah and what you just said, sorry, sorry. I, oh, okay. me up. I say, ultimately, the ego feeds off of fear. It feeds off of anger. It feeds off of frustration. But it, what it can't feed off of because it cannot beat it is love. If you end up learning how to love your ego, your ego will shut up because it has no response to that. Because love is everything. That is God's love. Love is all that there is. You know, I've run into people all the time. They're like, well, you know, love and fear are opposites. No, fear is an illusion love literally is everything so love encompasses fear and then if you can start to use love onto fear then fear goes away almost instantly because it can't combat it but this is the feminine energy that most guys are afraid of showing because again the masculine norm says that if you love other guys and you hug them and you tell them that you love them and you have compassion for them you have empathy for them and you can forgive them that you're weak is all ego-driven and all a part of the separative narrative that the matrix and the ego and even the body is a representation of separation has been ingrained into our reality. Well, and that that directly uh, answers the question as to why I don't, you know, for the longest time didn't didn't want to express love and affection towards guys and didn't want the hugs and stuff like that because my ego, uh, you know, was, was in the way and I, I was, but secretly what I, what I really wanted is to be loved by guys because I didn't have it. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have it growing up. I had abandonment growing up is what I knew from, from men or men that should have been there for me. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that were almost predispositioned to be there. Like, here's, here's your responsibility. This one little turd right here is your responsibility to take care of and stuff, you know, and then the ego gets in the way and the ego goes, you don't need him. You don't need any of them. You're good. Yeah. You got it. You don't, you don't have to have the love from them and stuff like that. When in reality, you know, it's like reverse psychology, like what, what it really needs is love. And, and that's, that's, that's incredibly powerful. What you just said though. I mean, when you start to show your ego love, uh, your ego shuts up, starts to get quiet. Cause that's what it really wants. It just doesn't know it. Well, and, and again, I always try and get guys aware of the emotional body when that was happening. So when you were saying that to yourself, like I don't need anybody, everything else while you're saying it, I imagine you're also feeling very uncomfortable in your gut because there's that sadness of wanting somebody else, but not having it. Mm-hmm. And that sadness, what most guys do is they turn that sadness into anger. And then they become literally have they have repressed anger for their entire lives. And then they wonder why this repressed anger is showing up in all the different areas that they're showing up actually angry, short fuse, blowing up on their girlfriend, blowing up on their wife, whatever else over things that you should be able to hold space for. And if you, I'm up living rent free in my head. Yeah. Get out well, of my head. <laughs> and again, that's, that's the thing, man, is that yeah. that's the biggest limitation for most guys, because we've again been told this, this bill of sale about being weak. We end up holding into all of these emotions inside of ourselves. 
And it makes us incapable of holding space for other people because literally we're full of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very hard for us to be there for others when we can't even be there for ourselves. It's so freeing though, man. It, it, it really is. Like when you start to identify that trauma and you start to identify, you know, like what you're talking about, where your ego kind of holds you back and you start to realize that, you know what, you know, uh, I don't have to identify by the fact that certain people, you know, kind of left me hanging and stuff like that. Like that's, you know, a very small microcosm of everything else that's actually going on in life. And you, 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 you can't, you know, hold everybody accountable for that. Just like when you're in a relationship and somebody does you wrong, you can't carry that to the next relationship. It's not fair to the next person. You gotta be mentally mature enough to. Yeah. And, and you know, the last level of this, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but the last level of this is that like a lot of times I'll work through it. And then like we get to maybe the last part of a program with me and now they're, now the ego has taken their past trauma and uses their past trauma to justify their present behavior. Well, I'm mm -hmm. this way because my dad left me when I was young. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's still the ego just hanging out, justifying your behavior this way. Now the ego has something to attach to a reason why. Yeah. I was like, the moment in which you start being that per the person you want to be is the moment where you stop justifying your present behavior based off your past. And typically, and that, that comes in with taking responsibility. Not, that's that we talked about those uh, when uh, you guys saw me and I was talking, I said, hey, there's two symptoms of victimhood, which is blaming and complaining, right? And, com and the blame in that space keeps you looped in. Nope. Well, you keep acting like a jackass in your present behavior. I don't give a crap if it's your past trauma or not. Right. The point is, is to release it. The last level is a very feminine thing to go, which to do, which is to forgive yourself, to release it. And then when you're in the moment, you're in the present moment and you make a mistake, you say, no, I made a mistake because I made a choice right now to make a mistake. And I'm also making a choice right now to take responsibility for it and apologize and learn what I need to do and stop justifying my trauma for this reason. That's the last level of really being free from that trauma. Is saying the present is now, the past is what it is, and I'm responsible for myself right now. Yeah, I mean, the extreme ownership mentality yeah. of that is something that uh, is, uh, I love that we get to associate with people that have that mentality, and, um, but it just, it makes it so much more, uh, makes me so much more aware of how the majority of people that you interact with on a regular basis are just in that space. They are just like, they are either victims or they're, you know, as JP says, life is happening to them instead of them happening to life. And, um, it, it's, it's for real. I mean, everybody's got stuff like that's the, that's the thing that I always think about is like, you know, you, maybe your past was traumatizing to you. Maybe my past was traumatizing to me. Maybe they were completely different things, you know, but everybody has something that didn't go the way they wanted it to go, whether it be throughout their childhood or, or this morning you know, and you can choose to allow that to affect you moving forward continuously, or you can, um, JP said this recently, either on the last podcast or somewhere, or you can just say, okay, that is what it is. It happened. Now, uh, we're dealing with it and we're moving on. It has nothing to do with how we're going to act the rest of this day or the rest of this life, so to speak. So, um, yeah, yeah. We're talking about successful mental maturity and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, people that are mentally immature have their egos in a way, you know, they, they do something and they have something affect them. Like their socks don't match or something like that. And their whole day's ruined. Successful yeah. people have the same problems that everybody else does. They just affect them in a shorter period of time. They get over stuff really quickly. They accept it, move on. Um, well, they take ownership of it. Like what yeah. Zach was saying is yeah. like, you know, and they move it to whatever space it needs to be moved to. 
Yeah. And another thing an ego likes to do is like to compare trauma, which I always, I, I was like, just, I'm looking at oh, somebody yeah. like, well, I went through all of this and I went blah, 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 blah. I was like, bro, I tell you, man, but the pain that you felt from that experience is the same pain that I felt from the experience of being a porn addict for 16 years and not be able to express love. Yep. You might have a different story behind the trauma, but we're all experiencing the same pain. Yep. And, and, and I'll say that to anybody. I don't care what you went through. Like you can give me the deepest, darkest thing. If you're still alive right now, the emotions that you felt are the same emotions another human being will felt. It doesn't matter what the story is. And the, the, the definition for trauma keeps getting broader and broader, but I've come to a new definition. I basically say that, man, anything that keeps you from expressing and experiencing love for another and love for yourself is trauma mm. because love is, is it like, that's all there is. That is the only thing that we know is true. That is what God created this entire reality from. So if that is it, that is our birthright to experience that emotion. Anytime you're off that frequency, that's trauma. And that's what we need to actually start working into understanding why we are not in that frequency. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. All, all of it's good. We go back and listen to this a couple of uh, times. Like, so Zach, I want to be, I want to be respectful of your time because we certainly appreciate you coming on here and, and dropping all the knowledge that you have. And I think, I think what's so great about this, especially for, for all of our listeners and, and us as well, um, you know, and, and Cam has had a big impact on me for several years. Uh, he brought a new perspective to my life, uh, you know, when I was in my mid twenties. Um, and, and it's, it's been continuously fostered and, and, um, uh, uh I lost the word there. Cultivated. I like the word massage. <laughs> ah, there's that feminacity. <laughs> Feminosity. Yeah. Feminicity. I don't know. I don't even know how to express it. a mixture it. of ferocity and feminacity. <laughs> feminacity, Furious man. That, hey, all words are made up. So you just made up a yeah, That's right. I got a, I got a new one. I'm, I'm copywriting that word. No. <laughs> so, but I think, I think one of the, one of the big things about it is, is awareness, right? Like we all have traumas. We all have issues. We all have problems. And what's really cool, especially about this conversation we just had with you right now is there's a lot of people that just, just had a, a certain level of enlightenment and we're like, holy shit. I never realized that about myself. That was one of the big things I said when I first met you is I did not necessarily realize that about myself. I knew I was fighting battles within my own head and stuff like that. But when you start to really conceptualize what, what's going on, you start to go, holy shit, that's where it connects. That, that's the correlation right yeah. there. So if, if, if I know that's the correlation, then I can get to the root cause. If I can get to the root cause, I can eliminate the source of my pain. Mm -hmm. you know, or, or at least put it where it needs to go, you know, and accept it, forgive myself and stuff like that. But the first part is identifying it, you know, and I think that that's where people like yourself are invaluable to society. Thank you, man. Yeah. I call it a, you ever see the movie inception? Yes. Oh, yeah. I call it inceptioning somebody else. Like I'm just planting a seed and yep. then that seed can blossom for them. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause there, there's one misconception that, that the ego can take inside of people that either, you know, heal other people. And this is healing essentially inside of that, but they say, I healed this person. No, I, I didn't heal them. I gave them the opportunity to heal themselves by giving them a different perspective. Yep. And that's like going back to the Bible, like, cause since I'm on it at this point, like there's times where um, people will touch Jesus's robe and through that process, being healed from leprosy or healed from something else. But literally, they say, I believe that if I touch Jesus's robe, that I will be healed. 
It's their own belief that heals them. Jesus, yes, of course, is God playing human and he's doing it really well. So, I mean, he's giving off this frequency of love that's being felt, but ultimately it's their belief that they can be healed is what makes them healed. Yep. No, it's, wow. yeah. Once again, mustard powerful. seed. <laughs> mustard seeds. Cam, you got anything else? I, uh, again, I, I feel like I want to add things, but I, don't know what to do I just, my hands. <laughs> I don't want to dumb down the conversation. So, um, no, man, Zach, seriously though, dude, like this has been honestly probably one of the most unique episodes. This, and by the way, this is episode number 100. So it is very fitting oh, that we have something. Oh, man. Wow, look at you, the 100th episode. Very wow. fitting that we have something that has been outside of the norm for us, but also incredibly invaluable and a piece of the puzzle that we want to continue to bring to our program of men reforged into the podcast, the movement. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just being who you are and, and really investing the time in yourself to become who you are uh, because it, it is uh, impact that is felt for, from us. And I know no doubt from our listeners. So we appreciate it big time. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for you guys, man. Thank you for letting me come on again. It's been an honor just to share the space with you guys. Zach, before we, before we get off here though, uh, why don't you tell all of our listeners where they can find you, how they can hook up with you, whatever, whatever avenues, social media, whatever it is that you use most, most often, uh, that way they can reach out if they have any questions or contacts. Yeah, I think Instagram is the, the most often social media platform I'm on. Luckily nobody has, has my name. So Zach Blakeney, uh, you can just Google that or search it and find it. Z-A-C-K almost likely show up. Um, if you're coming from this show and you have a question or any sort of, you know, reflection or anything like that, just DM me red pill. And I'll know that you come from this podcast. Um, and it doesn't have to be about working with me. Literally I, I'm an open book. So like if I can serve you any way I can, um, you can find out about the red pill method, www.redpillmethod.com backslash unplug. Because we're unplugging guys from the matrix in this sense, and you can check it out there. Um, I help guys, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and executives, you know, learn how to be more present, expand this power. I also help guys heal from porn addiction uh, without going through the 12 steps. I have health and fitness. If you want to transform your body, you can do that as well. Um, I've been blessed to be able to have a lot of different avenues in which I help heal people through their own journey through that process. Total package, people. Yeah, yeah, total package, and and he's he means that too when he says that he's a, he's an open book. Uh, he'll he'll pour into whoever whoever needs it. He's got a big heart for people, um, and and has a big impact uh, when he does. So, man, appreciate the hell out of you being on here. We're, we've you certainly had an impact on us and our program as a whole. These are these are some things that we're certainly implementing um, in in our program as far as re rehabilitating men or reforging men is what we call it. Um, and that's everything from meditation to self-awareness to understanding that you can overcome traumas uh, to, you know, just needing to face them and get your ego the hell out of the way. Um, so really appreciate you you coming in here, being open a book and, and, and kind of answering all the, uh, the, the questions and, and deal, <laughs> dealing, dealing with the, the Mississippi and Tennessee over here oh, yeah, i was born in louisiana so i'm right next oh, okay. to my dude, <laughs> oh, my right dude. Yeah. no wonder we connected so well <laughs> <Les -Compantons>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right on well hey, real, real quick though before you wrap because you brought it up uh yes we we are um looking to implement these things within our program of men reforge so that being said i'm going to need a verbal commitment as we're recording from Zach Blakeney that he will come in and speak at one of our high carbon experiences in the very near future. 100%.
Let me know. Got him. I'm there, brother. <laughs> and I almost missed that. Cam, thanks for picking up. No way. We're not missing that. We're locking him down. We're locking Jeez. that down. Well, I had a lot going through my mind right there. That, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> the top of it, so. Oh, right on. Well, to all the listeners out there, you guys, uh, you know, you know the, you know the, uh, the fee here. We don't, we don't charge for the podcast, but we do, we do expect to make an impact. Uh, so if, if the, the podcast is, is doing some good for you and stuff, just go spread the word. Um, anytime you need to reach out to us, you can shepherdsof.men uh or you can reach us on all the social media platforms and uh now we own menreforge.com as well uh which is our program that we will be utilizing uh in the future well not in the future currently um and <laughs> ongoing as as You're we as doing we it. <laughs> Dude, man, so so freaking pumped we got the first uh the first episode out and uh or episode first first event out and stuff so we'll be having another one on the 25th um and these will be regular occurring of uh, june events. by the way yeah 25th important uh so you like you said like i said well you can find us on all the social media platforms reach out to us uh share the podcast uh go contact zach because it'll blow your mind you guys have been part of the movement <laughs>